Welcome back to the Football Index podcast. It's episode 14. Today I'm joined by Football Index Profit Hunter, otherwise known as James. James, how are you doing today, mate? I'm good, thank you, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well. Talk me through your uh, Profit Hunter name. Okay. What, what, what came, <laughs> what well, came about you? Um, I mean, I, I joined the Index before I was really on Twitter at all. Um, probably took me about four weeks to realise that Twitter was the place to be um, because you find out a lot more there than you do anywhere else. Um, and my original handle was the FI Promotion King um, <laughs> because I sort of found a knack of being quite good at promotions. And that's how I made money quite early on. And then I got a bit of a stick for it because a couple of them I missed and didn't do well. And then there's people straight in my ear telling me that they've got on a player at like less than 30p. And I thought, hang on a minute, this is a bit more hassle than it's worth. Um, so I had a rethink and then came back with a, a much sort of a less big headed name. And, and, and I felt like I wanted to sort of give a friendlier vibe than promotion King sort of insinuating <laughs> that I was the best. So why don't you tell me how long you've been hunting for profit for and, and kind of talk us through your football index journey after the, the promotion side of things. Okay. Um, I started in sort of late February 2017 um, I found out just through a mate uh, in a WhatsApp group who had actually found out about the index about a year earlier but hadn't decided to tell anyone. Um, is he on Twitter? Was, um, he is uh, he, he's under a private name and I, and I won't I won't call uh, okay. him out um, <laughs> but yeah it was a bad mistake by him keeping it to himself and not getting on himself a year early because of the amount of profits that could have been made but yeah I've I probably took maybe two to three months before I started taking it seriously in terms of what I invested. Um, I started with 50 quid and that very quickly sort of went on a minority of futures and I was actually trading at a loss for most of the first couple of months. And then like most people do, you sort of get get used to it and get to work, know how the index works. Um, and then I ended up putting um, a substantial amount, about £1,000 in, at the end of April um, and since then just gone from strength to strength really. Uh, so what advice would you give to those newbies who have started recently and maybe are looking at a loss, maybe are looking at a bit of red? Those first two months, why don't you give some advice to those people who may be going through what you went through early on? Yeah, I, th- I think that you, you've got to be patient with it. You know, like you're not going to have a totally green portfolio you're, you're not going to buy a player and just see him rise and rise and rise you know it they're going to rise they're going to fall um the key for me is really just taking the time to first of all read the rules learn how it works you know about dividend payouts so i think a lot of people don't really know how to get dividends and, and how to actually get a return on their money they just think they need to buy a player and then that player go up um and yeah i, I just think just take your time with it and sort of don't don't follow there's a lot of people on twitter and i'm not going to name names but there's a lot of people on twitter who just sort of tip a player and and a lot of people blindly follow it without doing their own research i definitely recommend doing your own research into a player uh we've got some great tools now um in particular football index edge i think it's really helped me sort of the last three months or so um we've really sort of helping you to analyse previous scores because it's just impossible to keep track of and they're so good at that sort of stuff. 
Yeah, shout out to the guys at Edge who've, who've done a great job, uh, SOTD and, and, and Joel, who've, who've done a, a cracking job of getting that website off the ground. But why don't we get straight into the questions, James? Mm-hmm. The first one comes from Football Index RC, one of the Football Index veterans. I think he was... Yeah, I get on well with him. We, we tend to have a, <laughs> agree on a lot and... He tends to be one of the friendlier people on the index, actually. Yeah, I think he was maybe like the the 300th user or something like that. But uh, he he wants you to talk through a couple of your best and worst trades in your time here on Football Index so far. And he wants you to include the rationale behind the purchase, what variable or variables made it a good or bad trade, and what strategy you used to exit said position. All right, so um, I think... There's probably two that stick out for me, uh, both recently, probably within the last six months. Uh, the first one is the shortened SMS, Sergei, Sergei Zmilinkovic-Savic. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, he was a player, um, I actually found out about him on Twitter through, I follow a lot of Italian journalists, and there was just a couple in particular that were just raving about this guy who was just supposed to be world-class Um and and he was the player, and I remember thinking, oh, okay, like I've got to take a note of this guy because it, he his sort of rise came around the same time when the IPOs were starting to get released. Um, and I remember watching a Lazio game and just being blown away, and just thinking, wow, okay, like this guy is this guy's going to be a very very good player. And at that time, he was still quite unheard of. So I remember on the day he got IPO'd, um, I had to instant sell quite a few players just to get enough funds to get him and I got I think I got 500 shares very quickly at around sort of 79p um and then just sort of held him um I think I probably exited him too early um which is probably a recurring theme I tend to not get too greedy with it that's something I learned as well in the in the sort of first six months is trying to squeeze that extra 10 percent sort of 10p 5p profit normally isn't worth it Mm. So, what, why, why, in some cases, is selling early actually beneficial from your from your experience? Well, I think when a player has a significant rise, um, it's quite natural for a lot of the people, myself included, that buy in early to actually think, okay, yeah, I've made a good a good amount on this guy. He's had a night a good rise. I think there's going to be a drop, and it's all about trying to predict the drops. And it, and it is so difficult to predict the drops, and you'll get it wrong as much as you get it right, but I do like to be quite safe with it. I mean, I did exit in my Q sold all of them around about £3.20, so I made a really good profit on him. But the issue was is that the same day I sold him, he won a PV, a triple PV. So that was basically £80 down the drain. And I think a couple of days later, he got the United links and jumped from three twenty to £4. So, you know, you win some, you lose some um, in that respect. But I do think you've got to have an exit plan with a player. Wise words. And and what about your worst trade? <laughs> worst trades? Well, I mean, I was probably, well, I know there's probably a lot of people that are in the same position as me. I got on an Ebra and and then the injury happened, didn't it? And I was out to dinner with my fiance at the time, who's now my wife. And I mean, I don't blame her for it, but <laughs> I went out for dinner and he was about six pounds and I came home from dinner saw the news and he was like 180 and I'm like whoa this is this is seriously bad um and stuff like that can happen you know I lost a fair amount of money that day I'm sure a lot of people lost a lot more 
but this is the nature of the index but luckily you don't tend to see that happen too much and he was it was kind of a one-off in Ibra's case really with his age that I think most of the exit was because he probably then wasn't going to stay at Man United and he may well have retired and then you're you're risking your your shares being worthless whereas I think okay if let's say for example that happens to Salah or Neymar okay you know you've lost PB and there's going to be a considerable drop but they're going to get fit again whereas there was that question with Ibra is he ever going to play again another uh, well the other one I've got is Ryan Sessegnon another fantastic player who I liked the look of got a fair amount of shares of him probably the the problem well the big problem of him is that I exited so early thinking he'd reached his peak so I exited and Q sold mine around 150 and I mean I had a look at his price today and I nearly cried it's three pound eight it's like double the price uh, so you know it's that sort of stuff happens but the, the brilliant stuff about the index is that you can do stuff like that and still have huge huge profits yeah I mean as long as the capital that you gained from that Sessignon sale went into quite sensible places then you might not have made as much as you would have keeping the money in Sessignon but you might have been very close and and perhaps that kind of cushions the blow very slightly but <laughs> let's move on to the next question this one's from Football Index Investor uh, it's actually a three-part question. So what, what are your thoughts on summer advertising programme and the upcoming Sky Sports advertising slots? Are Football Index doing the right things with these TV advertisements? I, th- I think so. You know, they need, they, need to, they need to invest the money to grow, to grow the platform, don't they? And I mean, I'd, well, Sky Sports is the big one. Um, it's the one that if you'd have probably asked all the traders 12 months ago, what? where would be the best place to advertise that would be the one wouldn't it um so i think the sky sports is going to be fantastic and i really hope that it has the effect that it should because not enough people know about football index and they really should i totally agree actually i think the kind of the mainstream side of things there are a lot more people who know about football index now than they did a year ago two years ago three years ago if sky sports can take it to that next level where you actually hear people in the pub talking about it and you hear you know you see people on their phones on it kind of like we see with fancy football like i kind of liken it to fancy football in in its growth trajectory just because of those things and and also just the way that the twitter community talks to each other is quite similar to to FPL I, th- I think it has the potential to be as big as FPL um, I know FPL is obviously worldwide there's no reason why in years to come footballing that's couldn't be worldwide but they are very similar and they are both fantastic fantastic ideas well what about the uh, bus adverts all over London I'm not sure if you're a London yourself but I've been seeing them all over the place and the tube ads as well of course what, what do you think about them yeah I'm, I'm a Londoner um, I, th- I think they're really good. Again, I think I-, I love the tube, the tube ones because it's, you know, British rail and British tubes. You're going to be waiting there for a fair while, aren't you? So if you're there, <laughs> yeah. you might as well give football index some airtime and, and a lot of tube stations will have Wi-Fi now. So it can be just that easy to just sign up straight away, can't it? Yeah, definitely. I think the bus adverts have really done well. I've had a few people at work come up to me, and I've mentioned this on a few previous podcasts, come up to me and say, oh, I saw that thing that you were involved in on on the bus today, or I I saw it on the tube, which is quite strange, quite surreal. But 
it's the reality of it now, isn't it? That we are approaching that kind of upward trend where more and more people, if they're not on it, will know about it, which which is great. Well, we'll move on to the, the second bit that the Football Index investor asked about, and that's regarding the sweepstake. Was it the best use of a hundred thousand pounds? Um, I, I mean, I don't know if I can't answer that. You probably can't answer that. We d- we don't know what football index have had budgeted and and whether that was the right use. But I'm I mean, I'm just looking at it, the fact that they can afford to, you know, quite unquite give away a hundred thousand pounds must mean that the product's doing pretty well. But but is it the case that? a lot of that money is being reinvested so it doesn't feel like they're giving it away in, in actual fact that people are buying players off football index with the money that's being given away so is that actually a reflection of the product doing well in terms of its revenue and profit or is that kind of i don't want to say a ploy but a, a good tactic to pump more money into the index just like those deposit bonuses are say at the trader meets yeah i think i think you've probably well you're definitely a that point there is probably makes more sense than my point, doesn't it? Um, I didn't really think of it that way, to be honest. You've got me a bit there. That's very, yeah, it's very clever from Adam and the team, isn't it? But I mean, it's one of those where there's people like me that probably think that they're giving away a hundred grand, and a lot of those may well not be on the index. And I, I mean, I know at least two of my mates actually joined the index during the World Cup because they had heard about this sweepstake and you hope that it had the same sort of effect on other people. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it did have a, a good effect. If there was a bit more transparency on the numbers, maybe people would feel a bit more okay about it. I think there's obviously a lot of people who have seen traders or Twitter accounts that aren't very active win these prizes and that make, might make them feel a bit down, like, oh, I'm always on Twitter talking about Football Index, yeah. I didn't win, um, I someone I mean, who's just joined one, etc., etc., all that jazz. But we actually jealous don't... if they don't win, aren't they? Yeah, I, I mean, everyone who didn't win is is jealous. That is that is the fact. And the, the thing I want to point out is that we don't know how well it's done, so I don't think it's good or it's a good idea to judge them of that the 100,000 use. Would I have done it if I was the head of marketing, which is the next question for Index Investor asks, how would you have spent £100,000 this summer if you were the head of marketing? Would I have done it this way, gun to my head? Probably not. I would have, I don't know. I, I always think that there's the best way to expand a product is always word of mouth. You can do as much marketing as you want. If you have a great product, word of mouth will do a lot of the weight carrying for you. And so I kind of like, uh, and if anyone's into the like, crypto uh coinbase when you refer someone there they get a small portion of of bitcoin when they join or you're basically gifting someone a portion of bitcoin to join i wonder if football index could do instead of like a 10 pound bonus they get a a, you can gift a future to one of your friends and i've said this quite a lot and i don't know how in line it would be with with gambling regulators and regulatory frameworks but i think if i said to my mate look i'm giving you um 10 quid 10 quids worth of bloody Ross Barkley. I think that that would have a bit more of an effect than, oh, hey, here's 10 quid, do what you want with it. And and then suddenly you're in this kind of void of unknowing things and there's like loads of tabs, loads of green red flashes. You don't really know what's going on. I think if you have that, not affinity to a player, but if you feel like you own something from the off, then it feels a bit more powerful. I don't know if you agree with that. I do I do agree with that. Um I think that's a good idea actually. I mean I know a lot of people if you ask them how they would have used the hundred 
100k they'll probably just say get the android app out um i'm an iphone user so i don't have an issue with that but i think that's a you know that's it's got to come soon really that's a big part of growing the platform is being able to to access access it off different mobiles and different platforms as such yeah accessibility is certainly very important and i think the android app along with getting launched in sweden canada ireland all important obviously sweden's live now canada i believe might be live but according to the podcast with adam colin mike bowen they had a, a few weird problems with uh, gambling being illegal in certain areas of canada for 18 year olds you have to be 19 which is quite strange uh, ireland I, I don't really know anything about that i haven't heard anything since uh, that podcast but i think those things are probably would would have been probably at the top of my priority list i quite like the the shirt giveaways the jersey giveaways i think that's kind of a good idea from a marketing standpoint i think those get a lot of traffic twitter wise uh, uh, and, and it's the retweets isn't it yeah yeah i was literally about to say you took the words out of my mouth it's it's the impressions isn't it that it gets again it's it is more of a word of mouth thing if someone retweets that i put it in a couple group chats that i'm in hey look uh, to my friends who might not even be on football index football index are doing this shirt giveaway why don't you have a look and some of them retweeted it so i guess it from that accessibility point it does make a bit more sense doesn't it it does it 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 does completely um yeah i feel like football index might need to be a bit more pragmatic Yes, and the communication <laughs> does need to improve. It's something that we've spoken, like a lot of people have sort of spoken about. The lack of cu- communication is sometimes can be quite frustrating. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think that's something that Football Index know, and I think that's something that they're working on. Definitely through the, the podcast that I did with Adam Cole, it sounded like that's something that they're working on. And I do know that a few times Buzz payments have been missed and they've been quite quick to, to launch a, a post about it. And I think that they're going to slowly improve. It's good that they're conscious that they're not amazing at it, but I guess that's a bit of a checklist for them. Android app, uh, foreign territories, communication. I think for me, those three are the the top in terms of a product and communications and customer service point. I think those are the top three bits. But from a maybe business standpoint, I'd I'd love them to come up. And I've said this very openly for a long time. I'd love them to come up with a another form of revenue, another add-on or something that they can implement into the index that means they don't have to kind of rely on commission for the rest of their days or yeah. a- until commission outweighs dividends. Yeah, I, th- I think you've got it nailed on there. Um, those are the three things, and they're the three things that get spoken about most on Twitter, really, aren't they? Yeah, you've got to, got to listen to your fans, I guess. Mm. But I think we'll move on to the next question. I think this might be a, not a mate of yours, but a Twitter mate of yours, Football Index 102, who was on the yeah, podcast, yeah, I know formerly, him. I know him formerly well. Football Index 101. Does knowledge in football manager and fancy football link to the index? Well, it's interesting he's brought up fancy football because I didn't think he'd bring that up because um, <laughs> I tend to uh, wipe the floor on, on, that, <laughs> on that platform. Um, good question, to be fair. I think they do to a certain extent. Um, I can give you a couple, uh, probably an example from each where I've made profit on Football Index from the other platform. So on Football Manager, I mean, I'm a keen Football Manager player. I've, I've played from a very young age, basically every every form of the game. Um, and over the last couple of seasons, um, there's a player who plays for Benfica, and- Andrea Zivkovic, just recently made the Serbia squad. Didn't really play in the World Cup. Um, 
but he was a player that I sort of kept an eye out for. He always is just unbelievable in the game. I know it's not real life, but I mean, I've heard about the amount of scouts that football manager have. It's just astronomical. They've got more scouts than most football clubs do in the world. Um, so they must have some idea of how good players are going to be. I remember him getting IPO'd and me being really excited about it and quickly buying 100. And then he didn't move. And I didn't really, I was a bit sort of shocked. I was like, wow, what, how is, how's nobody else know about this guy? <laughs> so I got a bit carried away and I started sort of watching YouTube videos of him, playing a bit of football manager. And I just got more and more convinced that this guy was just phenomenal. So I ended up with about 800 shares, like basically from IPO price because nobody else got him. Um, and the good thing about an IPO price is, uh, is that I know he can't go down. Now, you know, 800 shares has put me back. I think he IPO'd at 40p. So it was about 350 quid. Now, at the time, that was like sort of 40 Lionel Messi's. So there's a lot of shares in one player, but the actual capital risk isn't massive at all. Um, I mean, I, I just held him and then he started playing well for Benfica and then some Man United links came, Arsenal links came. And I mean, I Q sold him all at like basically for about a pound profit per future. It was unbelievable. Um, in terms of fantasy football, um, I'm I'm a Crystal Palace fan. I don't tend to broadcast it because we're so bad. Um, but I remember towards the end of last season, Patrick Van Arnholt suddenly just had, as he does, he just has these sort of runs and flashes where he scores like four and four and three and three. And I remember that um, we had a game, like an easy home game. And I thought, well, you know what? He's like, 60p I'll just I'll just take a punt on him and he won a PB and I was just and, it, and he was in my fantasy team at the time and I just remember thinking wow like not only have I got a shed load of points from this guy I've actually made a bit of money from him as well so and I think that's probably for me well that's the reason why football index is better than fantasy football you know you'll do well at fantasy football I will, you'll maybe win your mini league but you get maybe you know, you might put tenors in, twenties in. Okay, you get a little bit of money, or you just get bragging rights. Now, I think the winner of FPL gets something like a match ball and a ticket to a match of their choice. Now, I'm not having <laughs> a go at the Premier League here, but for the amount of money that they make, that being a first prize to the person that wins fantasy football out of like five million players, I think is terrible. You know, like if you won fantasy football, like you go into a match of your choice, like really. I mean, I'm putting that on my CV personally, aren't I? Well, yeah. Well, that's the thing. It, it's more of an achievement for yourself than it actually is for the prize that you get. Um, so, I mean, I, I do believe that FPL should offer better rewards, and how they do that is up to them. But we're talking about the index. That's that's why the index is number one for me over fantasy football and football manager yeah a couple of things there I, I, we've had like a few crossover shows with the guys at who got the who got the assist the FPL podcast they're pretty good and we have talked about the the cross comparison in terms of knowledge base on on FPL and, and how goal reliant it is uh, and also I think that the point that you make there is is so so true I mean the rewarding side of football index is not only in exuberation but it's it's monetary sense as well which is of course 
a driving force for people wanting to stay and spend their time more on football index than they do on say football manager and fancy football but uh, he actually goes on to ask a follow-up question which is completely unrelated but it's about managers and what impact they've they could have in the teams that they're coming into. Uh, I've marked three here. Um, Sari going to Chelsea, former Napoli manager. Uh, Unai Emery coming to Arsenal, the club that I support. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, however you look at it. Uh, Carlo Ancelotti going over to Napoli. And uh, I actually did a bit of really nerdy stat stuff here. I uh, had a look at Carlo Ancelotti's last four teams, which is Bayern, Real Madrid, Chelsea. And his teams on average have scored between two and a half to 3.24, 3.25 goals per goal conceded. So on average, Carlo Ancelotti, with the first, last four teams he's managed, he's his teams have scored between 2.5 to 3.25 goals per goal conceded, which I just thought was really interesting. But then I had a look at kind of Bayern and the way they'd won quite a lot PB with regards to positions and um, players last season. And I kind of came to the consensus that's probably that they're, they're just the most dominant team in that league and whoever manages that team they're going to score quite well PB wise I, I don't know what you think on on Ancelotti going to Napoli do you think that's going to be an improvement from Sarri a lot of people hyping up Sarri going to Chelsea but as we know stats wise you know last season Napoli didn't actually perform that well from a PB perspective yeah um it's a tough one Ancelotti isn't it uh because yeah you, you, those stats are unbelievable. Um, but you're right, it does kind of... I mean, you, the teams that he's managed, with the exception of Chelsea and maybe Real Madrid, you're looking at PSG and Bayern just dominate their leagues. I mean, I, I reckon I could go in and they'd score three goals a game. Um, but with your fantasy football credentials, <laughs> I think you could get the job, mate. Well, that's the thing. I've got it on my CV. But um, I, yeah, I'm not sure about Ancelotti. He's got a tough act to follow with Sari. For the three seasons Sari came in, Napoli achieved the highest points total on each season. Um, and he wasn't great at Bayern, but I, I do think he's a very good manager. I think they've bought well. I think Verdi's a very astute signing. They've lost Jorginho. They've bought Fabian Ruiz. Um, so it's a tough one. I think for him, he, has, he just has to keep the star players. He has to keep Goulibaly. He has to keep Insigne. Um, I'm not personally on any Napoli players because of that reason but I am on a couple of Sari and Emery players I think both of them have got the potential to be very very good but it's it's going to be all of them really you're unsure aren't you Sari this this whole Sari ball Mm. (laughs) I mean they're just such massive variables aren't they James because Napoli got 90 points last season didn't win Serie A under Sari and they didn't actually win that much PB they had a lot of wins as well they didn't draw and lose that many games they won a lot of games which obviously helped them accumulate 90 points but it's quite worrying that those players didn't win that much pb but whether or not that changes at chelsea and uh, of course last season they came fifth and they won the fa cup they didn't have a great season in the league and uh in europe as well so maybe sari can improve those chelsea players because obviously fifth is, is kind of low and in chelsea's um Chelsea's mind 
they, they might be looking at higher in positionally, probably win more games if Sarri succeeds. Same thing with Emery at Arsenal. I think that's the big elephant in the room, isn't it? Is he going to succeed following um, Arsene Wenger? And I suppose that the thing that we have to think about with all these three managers is that they might not automatically play the players that were very successful on Football Index last season. That's what I'm thinking along the lines of. I mean, the big thing with Sari is that, I mean, I, on Twitter, I follow a lot of Chelsea accounts. Just I mean, I follow a lot of big club accounts because you tend to get quite nifty transfer news from them. They sort of dish through the rubbish that people retweet normally. Um, and the big thing with Sari is about the change in formation is that they think that he's one of these managers and I, and I get that sort of impression with him as well that it's the players that fit into his system not his system fitting into the players if you get what I mean looks like he's going to play 4-3-3 in which case the back four is going to look very different um, I mean for example I don't think you're going to see Victor Moses at right back you're probably not going to see Marcos Alonso at left back maybe because I mean you saw him at us. I mean, I saw him at Sunderland, and he didn't look great at left back. Personally, Marcus Alonso. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, and brilliant FPL player, one I've had many times. Um, <laughs> of course, but you might not see Aspilicueta at right back, will you? you? You might not. We don't know. I mean, do at, at centre back. Sorry, is, sorry, centre back. This is what's yeah. This is what's brilliant. Aspilicueta could play right back, couldn't he? Um, I think one thing I noticed with Sari as well was watching a lot of Napoli last year. He tends to have a plan A and not much of a plan B. And plan A last season was basically to attack down the left-hand side because that's where Insigne was. And I just wonder if Hazard stays, whether they're just going to put the ball down the left-hand side. That's kind of what I'm leaning towards because, I mean, Napoli didn't perform great for PB last year, actually. Um I don't really know what the reasons for that. I think they were always up there, but they just missed that that sort of game-winning goal or or so much because possession can only get you. I mean, people say the word all the time: it's baseline, don't they? You know, and, and and baseline is great, but unless you're really having seventy-five percent possession as Pep Guardiola and Man City do each week, then it doesn't count for a lot. Um, I think Emery's an interesting one. Like you said, he's got a massive task following Wenger. It's very similar to Moyes that's taken over from Sir Alex, and we all know how that ended up. Um, I think, to be fair, Emery's record is a lot better than Moyes'. He won three Europas in four seasons at Sevilla and has quite a good track record of developing players. Um, so, I mean, I, I know I hear you're an Arsenal fan. I, I would be quite positive about it. I know you obviously only played Boreham Wood on Saturday, but it was a decent win nonetheless. Yeah, I, I think I'm quite positive about it. I think that it can't get that much worse. I don't think we'll finish lower than sixth. So I guess the difference between the Sir Alex Moyes thing and, and Wenger uh, Emery is that Moyes came into a title winning team and it was expected that he was going to challenge for the title once again. Unai Emery is coming into an Arsenal side that crashed out of the Europas after a very kind run in, in the semi-finals. They came sixth with kind of a whimper, didn't yeah. they? Uh, was it? We came sixth, didn't yeah. we? It wasn't no, six, yeah, we six, came sixth. Yeah, awful, uh, lost the League Cup final embarrassingly. Uh, didn't go very far in the FA Cup final. So 
low expectations really for him and that might play to his strengths that might mean he can he has a bit more time that may, might mean that he gets to develop players that he wants to develop and I think the the overawing thing about all these three managers is they are going to you know shake up these squads quite a lot talk about Chelsea there I just heard that I think Thibaut Courtois might be off to Real Madrid how does that affect the defence uh, Eden Hazard might be off. Uh, talk about Morata maybe leaving. Willian maybe leaving. Uh, what happens to Kante linked to Barcelona? There are so many players that might leave that Chelsea team. Might look completely new. Same with Napoli. We've already seen Jorginho leave. You'd mentioned Kalibali there. I think another one's Dries Mertens, who's a big one. Um, and, and then uh, they've got obviously a, a lot of other players that, that might tickle the fancy of a few other European teams and of course Emery at Arsenal you've got Ramsey with a year left on his contract there's a few other players that might look expendable to him who he might not fancy in pre-season look to shift on so there are so many variables here on top of the new manager impact that make these teams risky to invest in but also your reward could be very high if you play it right well that's the thing isn't it I think I think a lot of traders have got the same opinion where players from these clubs and, and and players that are at new clubs and are under new managers aren't necessarily as high as they could be. But in the same respect, you're right. They, I mean, it could take each of these managers or any one of these managers three or four months to really get going. Yeah, definitely. And I, the thing is, you say that a lot of them have not gone as high as they maybe could have. But a lot of the players who were squad players last season have risen. So those players that might get a chance under the new managers and what's going to happen, I think these two players per position are probably going to rise steadily and then we're going to get to the beginning of the season. One of them's not going to play one is going to tank the one that doesn't play and the other is going to rise. So it's about maybe not putting all your eggs in one basket and, and just trying to play it as sensibly and as risk adverse as you can whilst maximising your upside but I think we've we've stayed on this question for quite a long time now James we'll move on to the next one this is from Swiss Mafia you kind of asked for PB wildcard for the new season uh, if you've got any breakout youth in your portfolio and then he goes on to talk about World Cup inflation but we'll leave that as a, a separate topic okay um, PB wildcard that's a good question um, I mean I don't think there's no standout for me with this um you know if someone was a was a pb wild card and um, um, was going to get good returns they they would be high and they are high and i think trades have been quite clever with that there's been quite a steady rise on the on the stalwarts of of performance buzz and the players that won a lot of performance buzz last year like i said i think if we're talking about a wild card it's likely to be from one of these teams that has maybe a new manager or a player that has transferred to a different club because as we've said in the last point these players sort of maybe haven't risen or or people are unsure on them um so yeah gun gun to your head who, who is that player that is the I mean, the wild card for you i've taken a, a rather large punt based on the information that i said um for the previous question, which is, I think my punt is Emerson at Chelsea because I don't think that Marcus Alonso is going to suit that system. And I think if, I mean, and there's a lot of ifs to it and a lot of variables, but I think if Hazard stays and Emerson, as a lot of these Chelsea fans and Chelsea accounts on Twitter are hinting at, if he 
breaks into the first team, I think he's going to get a lot of the ball. Um, and, and I mean, one of the main reasons that I took a punt on him, and I do this with every player that I invest in, is I always look at what price they were IPO'd at um, because it can make a huge difference if a player is only within maybe 30, 40p of their IPO price as opposed to a player that has a much larger room to drop, if that makes sense. Uh, and he was IPO'd at, I think, 80p, and I think I picked him up around one pound five so there's not if i get it wrong then okay that's fine and and i'll make a loss on it but it won't make a huge loss yeah so why don't you talk through some of those downsides to to kind of play devil's advocate to yourself on on this punt i'm in the unknown here aren't i we could get three weeks down the line and chelsea play in the community shield against manchester city they line up three four three and Marcus Alonso is there at left wing back and all of a sudden I'm left with all these Emerson. Um, but, but I, I, you know, it makes it fun. You know, it, you know, it is a profit and loss game, but I, I love doing things like this on the index and, and just having that sort of gut feeling about what could happen. Um, I could be wrong, you know, but I could be right. Who knows? We're going to find out. Yeah, we'll find out in a few weeks then, mate. Good luck to, uh, to you with that one. So the next bit is uh, your thoughts on the World Cup inflation. Swiss Mafia says that far less money has left the index that went into it before the World Cup and during the World Cup. Does that mean that money is set to stay? Is this a case of longer holds and the unwillingness to take a loss on some big players or big drops, especially those deemed PB? demons or pb players at the world cup and how patient will traders remain without returns i think the overawing question is a lot of players were pumped up for the world cup some have fallen quite a bit but maybe not to their previous price so why is this and do you think we'll see this continue or do you think we'll see them steadily decline um i I don't know this my question to that is is it inflation um we we think it might be inflation. Some people might think it is, some people might not. Um, it could be just that there is a lot more money in the index post-World Cup than there was pre-World Cup. And um, a lot of these players, like like he said in his question, are still very good for PB. Um, so there is no reason why they should drop massively. Um, most of the actual the bigger drops have been from players that aren't successful on PB. And I think there's, there's obviously big reasoning behind that. Um, I don't know. I, I personally did expect bigger drops. I wasn't on a lot of World Cup players. I did expect bigger drops, but I'm quite happy that there hasn't been bigger drops because I don't, didn't want, I don't, we don't want new investors or any investors for that matter to be stuck with players in huge losses um, and I hope that it is the point that I made that there's just more money in the index now so the overall average price of players is going up that's what we all want at the end of the day yeah that's a, that's a point that I was going to make as well I think the average price is higher and some of those players were definitely never going to come back down to the prices they were previous to the World Cup just because as you stated quite simply that the average price is higher so Swiss Mafia, that's probably why some of those players haven't come down. There are a lot of players who will kind of steadily decline 
up until the beginning of the season. Those players that were held for the World Cup when transfer rumours come in, when some players do really well during pre-season friendlies. I always think about what players traders will look at to instant sell first in order to free up funds and then buy these players that have kind of exploded onto the scene via a transfer or a rumour or a good performance in pre-season. Those are going to be players that... They may be sick of looking at in their portfolios. They may have held throughout the World Cup and they might have missed the opportunity to sell high and now they're finally done with them. They're going to put them in the bin. But I think we'll move on to the next uh, next question. This is from Fitty Index FPL. Does all the, and it's quite fitting that this is the next question actually, does all the new money coming into the index mean that prices are going up and ROI is going down? And if so, what are the best ways to counter that squeeze? Um it's quite a strange one because I think it depends what you mean by return or investment. Do you mean, and I think the football index traders get quite confused here. I think they look at return on investment as the money they've made purely from their initial deposit. But obviously that gets quite skewed when you deposit more or withdraw. No one does kind of time or deposit withdrawn weighted average return on investments as far as i know unless there are some very clever clogs out there uh, in their spreadsheets so i think that when you're looking at return on investment it should be kind of like on your portfolio week on week or from point to point not from the very start that's something i want to make clear at this at the beginning of this mini rant and then secondly when you're looking at it player per player it is sometimes how much money you make, right? So if you have 100 Lionel Messi, which costs £950, and you have £950 worth of um, Emerson, you were just talking about, right? Uh, If they both go up the same amount percentage-wise, you're going to make the same amount of money. But if you are holding 100 Messi and then only you know, £425 worth of Emerson, you're going to make less money if that same amount of percentage increase goes up. So I think ROI is important, but also it's very kind of important to not always play the percentage game. It is sometimes about making that kind of gross profit and, and, and making those big numbers as well. So why don't you tell us why maybe ROI is sometimes a, a flattering a statistic to use for, for traders and why maybe it might not be as important as we think and then why don't you go and speak a bit more about kind of like prices being squeezed up a bit and how you can counteract that how you can still make money on the index and find these opportunities yeah i think um yeah roi is, is, is a funny one isn't it i mean you can look at me i put a thousand pounds in that thousand pounds is now worth I think fifteen pounds. Um, so the ROI on that is ridiculous, but I don't look at it in that in that respect because it's very stupid for me to comp- compare my price now with my price eighteen months ago because so much has changed since then. Um, I think in answer to his question, yes, there probably will be less ROI, um, but I think. In, and, and with that, I mean talking in terms of players, let's say that, and that's just because a player that a year ago or six six months ago would have been £2 is now £3. Now, that's just because I think the ROI that was on offer was just incredible. Like The returns that people were making on single players in a year and in, and in the sort of nine months that we've had 
performance bars are just astronomical. Um, but it begs the question: Well, what's what? What is good ROI? What what's a good aim for percentage return when you when you buy a player? Um, and it depends what what people think. Now, I think personally, if you get the ten percent return on a player, well, then you're doing well. If if you get twenty percent, then you're doing great, even better. You know, you it's 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 that difficulty, isn't it? Where yeah, I, I think um, that when you buy any player, you just you have to you have to try and sort of work out what you what you think that player can return. Um, it also massively, obviously, depends how long you're aiming to hold a player. Um, you can very quickly make a ten percent ROI on a player in a matter of hours, in a matter of days, if you get on at the right time you can also make 50% ROI on a player if you hold them for six months you know but but I don't, I, yeah ROI for me I, I don't get too too focused on that to be honest I buy a player because I think that they're good value and I think that they'll rise um, and I think another thing that people don't take into account with ROI is they look at what the player's value is on their portfolio and they forget completely what the dividends return has been. Um, now, if a player wins a substantial amount of media buzz or performance buzz, do people factor that into their ROI? I'm not sure that they do in terms of the players that they buy. They just look at what their buy price is, what the current price is now, and work it out from there. Yeah, there's, there is certainly that aspect as well where football index traders might be more willing to part with a player or certainly I have been in the past when they've won a bit of buzz and I say well actually I've broken even in terms of capital uh, inserted into this position in capital that I'd gain if I sold but I've actually won two or three media buzzers on the road so I'm quite happy to take my profits here but I think we'll move on to the next one after ROI and this is Benjamin John Mason asking about when starting out should you buy lots of players in small amounts or go big uh, on two or three players okay i think i understand the question so his question his question is should i buy lots of different players and have a few futures or focus on two or three and have large ones um the answer to that is if you believe that a player is seriously undervalued then put more money into them um you know it's riskier but you you've got to trust you've got to trust your gut you've got to back that player um i think it can both of those ways that he said can can work well um one is risky which is the the larger amounts in two or three players it can lead to be rewards but if you buy a player and like that like like my emerson punt and it doesn't pay off well okay then you've lost you've lost money and and you won't be saved by the other players that you've got because you don't have many other players um in my in my opinion I, I would go for a mixture of the two points that he said i know that doesn't really make a lot of sense but i would go for i would make sure that i've got enough players that i'm happy with but at the same time back the ones that you believe in more with bigger amount of futures yeah i think at some point you just need to kind of put your bollocks on the table don't you and uh if it works out then then 
fair play to you make a lot of money if not then uh, you're crushed and and it doesn't feel that great but you might learn something on the way <laughs> yeah well you don't you don't make big returns do you unless unless you you go big the, the term go big or go home you're not, you're not if you're buying loads and loads of players and you're buying very few futures well you're not going to get many returns on them unless they all rise cliched but not untrue you can't make a lot of money without risking that money. Uh, a lot of people, and I've said this on podcasts previous, this is quite similar to kind of investing in real life as well. Obviously, this is kind of like uh, blurred lines, isn't it? Investment, trading, betting, index, whatever you want to call it. If you say to someone, hey, you could lose 15% of your money, but potentially gain 100%, they are scared of losing that 15%. But if you say to someone, hey, like, you can lose 5% of your money or gain 20%. They think that's kind of the better way to go. Whereas like a minus 15% to 100% upside, that upside compared to downside, I think that's a lot better for me. That's me personally speaking. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. It's amazing, isn't it? The the amount of people that panic when they see red. Um, and I think like I've said earlier, you've got to be prepared for players to drop. They're not always going to rise. And the sooner that you're sort of more accepting of a player being in the red and, and being okay with that, then the better that you'll be, the better equipped that you'll be. There's no point just selling a player because he's not no longer at the price that you bought him for. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely the case. I think Red and green, just if you're a newbie, just don't don't look at that. Just look at what their current price. That's the current price that someone is willing to pay for that player. And that's what that player is worth. That's what you can sell them for. And that's what the money you can gain from that sale would come to. So I, I wouldn't look at your buy price too much. Don't be scared of red or green. Uh, and don't get greedy, as you as you mentioned earlier, James. Don't get greedy. That green can be deceiving. I'm a, I mean, I'm a big advocate of that, of of buying a player and having a figure in your head that if that player reaches that mark, unless the situation has changed massively, then by all means, just have a serious think about whether that money could be used elsewhere. And 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 similar if if a player drops as such. Um, I mean, I don't I don't tend to look very long term. I think the longest current player in my portfolio that I've held is probably six months. Um bearing in mind I've been on the index eighteen. Um and a lot of the time if a player gets to a certain price then I'll sell them and then just use the money on different players. I sold Neymar when he got injured for PSG. Um not because I wanted to sell him, but because he was dropping, he was around, it was just above £10, I think. Um, and I just thought that the money could be used better elsewhere. It was a case of, do I hold this player? I know he's going to go up. And we all knew he'd go up because he was, unless he didn't make the World Cup, which was very, very unlikely, he was always going to go up. Um, he's up £3 from then. But with what I sold him at and what that gave me in cash balance and what reinvested, I made much bigger returns on the players that I invested in. Yeah, I think a lot of people get kind of in that cycle where they see green and they say, wow, he's up three pounds. I'm not going to sell. And I've had friends message me saying, wow, uh, look, uh, the player you recommended me has gone up this much and, and they're up a pound for me. And I say, well, 
you haven't actually made any money yet. You need to sell that player first and then you kind of have a larger pot to play with and you can spread that along a few other players and, and see if those upsides are higher than the one that you've currently got in terms of capital parked in, in that player. So it's very interesting to see how people react to, to green and red. I always find it quite interesting, but it, it's something that you should not think about too much but we'll move on to the last question here james this is from golfing granddad a podcast favorite he's always seems to be asking a question okay yeah i was gonna say i i do recognize the name there good lad (laughs) what are the three price changes rises or drops that you've been surprised the most by of late and do you expect these players to revert to revert back to where they once were um i think surprised is the wrong word because you you can never be surprised about anybody rising on the index. Um, one of the big mistakes that I make is that a lot of the time I use common sense and that sounds terrible, but I, I'll, I'll give you an example. So Juventus have bought Douglas Costa for 40 million euros. I think it is this summer. Um, and this was around the same time that Manchester City were in talks with Leicester about Riyad Mahrez. And, and the story came out early in the day saying that basically City weren't prepared to pay 70 million for Riyad Mahrez, um, which I thought, okay, fair enough. And then a story came out that evening that Man City were prepared to pay 80 million pounds to sign D- Douglas Costa. And I immediately thought, that's just rubbish. There's no way that they're doing that. And what I should have thought is, that's a Man City link for Douglas Costa. Let's buy some because he rose about 20p. Um and I remember just watching him thinking, what are these people doing? But I think one of the trader meets, um, I think, was it Lex Van Dam said about don't trade based on what you think, trade on what you think other people are going to do. And I think that that sort of, well, the guy knows his stuff, doesn't he? Because, yeah, I should have. I should have thought, what are other people going to make of this information? And I mean, a lot of the people that bought may well have had exactly the same mindset as me. Of, no, I don't think it's going to happen, but it's a rumour and other people will buy. And those people made money and I didn't. Um, now, in terms of rises recently, so I've got a couple. First of all, we have the annual pre-season rises, don't we? Now, the likes of we've got United going on pre-season tour and we've got Chong and Gomez both going on tour, which they're expected to because they're they're in sort of around in and around the first team squad. They're not getting minutes, you know. They they're going to get minutes in preseason. Are they going to get minutes in the Premier League? I think it's probably a no. However, they're still rising. Um, same with Phil Foden at Man City. He's gone on tour. He's massive riser yesterday. You know, is he who's he who's he displacing in that Man Man City side? It's not happening, is it? And the guy is going. We all know he's likely to be a good player, but again, it it, it links back to my point: Are you willing to hold this guy for two and a half, three years just to get a prof, a decent profit out of him? Could that money be used better elsewhere? It probably could. Um, it is so speculative, isn't it? Because you're speculating first of all that this guy is a good player. I've no doubts that Phil Foden is not a good player, but um again 
there's that fact that he has to displace someone from that team, which he's probably not going to do, considering you've got David Silva ahead of him, Kevin De Bruyne ahead of him, uh, Leroy Sane, Bernardo Silva, all these guys, Raheem Sterling, etc. I could go on. They've got such a, a deep and stacked squad that it's going to be hard for him to break through. However, like people should still use that speculation to their advantage and you shouldn't be scared to say, well, you know, Phil Foden's riding here. Maybe I see a trend of, of young players like the Tahith Strongs and the, the Gomez is rising. Who's the next one down who hasn't risen yet? And you, you start to look at that and, and then that's when you start making a bit more money on Football Index, when you can start predicting and, and carrying on these trends. I think one that really surprised me as an Arsenal fan was Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. He scored a hat-trick against Boreham Woods, who I'm pretty sure I could have a decent chance of scoring against. And in fact, I used to play against them or like we were in the same kind of leagues when I was uh, 16, 17 so it, it kind of shows the level that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang was playing against and he went up he went up like 30p and if you consider that he was £4 at the start of it, that's like oh, that's like 12, 12, 13 14 grand, like that's a lot of money isn't it That's a lot of, that's a lot of money based on a hat-trick against a pub team essentially isn't it Um I mean, I'm a Palace fan. Christian Benzeke scored last night. Surely he's good for PB now, isn't he? <laughs> uh, it's wild, isn't it? I mean, the thing is, I think as well, Batmiang was probably one of those players that people were accumulating and hoping he would have that next most salary rise where he just scores and scores and scores and scores. And people were slowly accumulating. He scores a hat-trick. Someone says, damn, I'm not going to get the 300 futures that I wanted. I've only got 180 at the moment. I was slowly accumulating him and goes and buys another 120 and says, right, like if even if he goes down at least i've got the amount that i wanted and then the next person thinks the same it's kind of a domino effect next thing you know 15 grand's gone into pierre mccrabamiang because he's got a hat-trick against uh Brian wood it's, it's fair enough really isn't it if he if he if he is the next seller then we'll look back at those people and think yeah you were right that hat-trick that hat-trick was was the moment yeah um, exactly I, I think one just an extra one obviously we've had the big ronaldo news about him moving to juve um he's dropped a little bit I'm not that surprised because I think people are a bit wary about a player such as him moving club. Um, but I just worry. I, I wonder about his teammates um, because he's gonna. Well, it's Ronaldo, isn't it? He's gonna be taking free kicks, taking penalties. He's gonna get the ball all the time. I just wonder whether the other players. Again, it's that uncertainty, isn't it? They haven't changed manager. They haven't changed system. They've got Ronaldo. Are those players going to get more touches, less touches? They're probably going to get more team goals because he's just so good. Are they going to get more individual goals? They're going to win. Yeah. And they're probably I mean, going to win more, aren't we were they? We about Ancelotti earlier in the podcast. I think he'd do an amazing job to win the league with Ronaldo at Juve. Uh, and I think that the thing about Ronaldo coming in as well, I, I think Higuain was on penalties, right? Uh, so if he goes, then I guess that that's kind of like a direct swap. Uh, and then the other thing that you're looking at is maybe free kicks. Is he like Pjanic is pretty deadly uh, from from those free kicks? Is is Ronaldo still going to take them off him? Who knows? We're going to have to wait and it's see. Ronaldo, he probably will. Won't he, he? he probably will, won't he? Like if I was him, I'd, I'd be like piss off. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but I like then you have to go back and look at well, does how far does that devalue Pjanic? Because then I have to go look at how many free kicks he actually scored, how many PBs he won uh, from that, and then detract that. Same with uh, Paolo Dybala. Is it going to make that much of an impact? And does that outweigh the amount of extra wins and extra goals they get because of Ronaldo? You've got to balance those things up. 
And then comes the point that um, do they maybe have a better defense next season uh, if they reinvest money that they could get from, uh, I don't know, an Alexandro. Uh, Chiellini being fit for for a full season with a defensive partner, is that going to make them better? They've got Jao Cancelo at right back. Do they become a team that wins more games generally? I think they won like 30 games last season, which is crazy. If they can replicate something like that, then... I think a lot of those players are going to do decently on PB, aren't they? Just because they win so much. Uh, yeah, I think they they we we probably know that they're going to be dominant in their league. Um, yeah, you're right. It, it's just how how do these players perform on PB? And it's, it's another one of those sort of ones that we're unsure on. Um, but it all dep- it, it we'll find out, won't we? This it's, it's the great thing about the index and it's the great thing about the amount of changes that we've had the amount of transfers and, and managerial changes that they've been keeps it fresh doesn't it and i think uh, lee sotd football index sod said to me that a lot of people are um speculating that say uh, i don't know a debala or a pianic uh sorry we're gonna oh god <coughs> oh f- me mate jesus christ sorry i really couldn't keep it in there <laughs> uh, sodc sotd said to me that um these players that are kind of that people speculate that might not be as good at PB because of a certain player moving club, uh, for example, I don't know at, at Napoli we talked about if uh, if Dries Mertens goes out wide and everyone thinks that he's going to do badly on PB, he falls in price. If he suddenly does well on PB, he'll probably fly up above the price that he was beforehand. Same thing that could happen with uh, Pjanic and Dybala. So I think those are the two main guys that people keep thinking that are affected because of the Cristiano Ronaldo move. If he comes, if Ronaldo comes in, and then those two guys are still winning star players, do they then fly up further than they their peak prices? And then we can look at um, Chelsea as well. With uh, if Higuain goes in there, and, and people think that um, another Chelsea forward might not do so well, Willian, and he suddenly starts out scoring Higuain, then does Willian rise above his? Uh, former all-time high so that's something that I really want to pay attention to uh, players that people are uncertain of if they go one way they're going to go up like a rocket if they go the other they're going to plummet quite a bit because every, it's a self-fulfilling uh, prophecy isn't it that people say oh hey um, we all said that he was going to be off free kicks and penalties now he's going to fall does crap in the first few games he falls anyway uh, and the opposite will happen if oh crap he's not on penalties and free kicks he's doing amazing now uh, now he's going to fly up. So I think it's going to go both ways on those players that we're very uncertain. I think you mentioned uh, Emerson earlier. And if he starts in the, in the community shield, then he'll probably fly up. If he doesn't, he'll fly down. It's those kind of upsides and downsides that we're looking at with these uncertain players. But what it brings us is a lot of potential profit. It does. It does massively. Um, there is a lot of speculation and and a lot of rises have been out of sort of expectation. Um and I think we will see some huge, huge rises from players that maybe have been speculated about slightly or maybe the ones that are just at the minute completely under the radar. Um, but I think, yeah, I think that we'll see at the start of the season, we'll see some serious, serious rises if if any of these players win PB. Yeah, definitely. I think we're in for a very, very, very exciting period on the index. But James, I've kept you on here for long enough, mate. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. Where can people find out more about you on Twitter? Um, so my Twitter handle is um, Index Profit Hunt. Um, I do try to keep 
my my tweets sort of somewhat subject uh, objective. I, I don't force my opinions on people. Um, I try and help the newbies and anyone that needs questions. My DMs are always open. Um, so if you guys like what you hear or want to find out more, then for sure follow me and get to know me. Thank you so much, James. And thanks everyone for, for listening. And if you guys did enjoy that, please do subscribe and tell your friends to subscribe too. Tell them that this is a half decent podcast. And if you really loved it, why not leave a review? I love reading them and they really do motivate me to make better content. If you're looking for maybe some trading advice, uh, DMs are always open, but the first place you should go to is the YouTube channel that I have that has some good content, I hope. Uh, that could help you guys out and especially if you're a beginner watch the beginner's guide video and then go on to watch some of those trading techniques hopefully they can help you out thanks everyone for listening and uh, enjoy your commute